Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Restoring the Farmstead Podcast. You may be hearing some sounds in the background. That's the sounds of our chickens that are looking at me, wondering what you doing and what you got in your hand. Is there any food? I thought today I would take you on a little walk before I do my feeding and give you an update on what's actually here at the farm. Now, the last update was in July of 2017. And since that time, we have expanded our animals and we have moved to the farm. We still have the old farmhouse that was built in the 1880s. And, uh, but diagonal across about 10 acres of the farm is where we have our new house. And it's actually a modular home. And, uh, it is, uh, I guess you would call it barn red. And we have, uh, uh, enough, uh, Enough space, but not too much space. It's a little bit smaller than the house that we used to have in town. And that's where my wife and I and my mom live. Uh, mom is uh, in her upper 80s and has had some health issues this year. So she has now moved in with us. Uh, so we are up here at the farm. And we are in the process fighting weather challenges. But we are having built a pole barn behind the house and it's not going to be for livestock we are referring to it as the quicksaw lodge and uh, it's about 30 by 40 feet it's a gramble style barn so it will have you know what would traditionally be the hay mount up high but that's going to be basically our attic we don't have uh, much storage space in the new home so we have uh, plenty of room for storage there. They've got just a little bit of siding on. Uh, otherwise, it is all just a bunch of, a whole lot of wood. That's what it is. <laughs> a whole lot of wood. And one of the things that we wanted to have and we didn't have with our new house is uh, a big porch. We've got a large deck uh, for family entertaining and such, but we wanted to have a porch. So our porch is 10 foot wide and, uh, 40 foot long. So that'll give a lot of room for rocking chairs to be able to look out over our pond. About two years ago, I, uh, did some stocking in the pond. It's about a half an acre pond and put in, I'm trying to remember how much, I think it was like 250 bluegills and some of the the grandkids have been catching some bluegills so they're coming up on two years old this spring so i'm eager to get out and catch some and see how they taste as i walk over uh here around the old part of the farm uh, which is actually the farmstead uh, we have a chicken tractor that uh, houses four laying hens um, we have two that are, I'm trying to think of what kind they are, uh, black cross sex, I think is what it is. And then two white Brahmas. And so these are good sized chickens. And during, uh, 
we got them this past summer in 2018. We had four baby chicks given to us. So in order to... Uh, <laughs> We weren't really ready for it, so uh, we, we, we put in a lot of time and expense, including buying this chicken tractor that actually has uh, uh, a large area up top that they can uh, roost in and be and can be completely enclosed. Then downstairs was a fenced area. Well, we put that inside of some uh, chain link, link fence panels and then added some... Um, Oh, I would say about five foot high, uh, two by four inch fencing to make a little yard for them this winter. We got to come up with a different setup for them this year. But uh, this summer or this fall, they were giving us uh, four eggs a day, these four chickens. Now they're down to two or three eggs a day. So I'm surprised they're still laying a lot in the wintertime. As I move past that, I come to the garden. I did not get the asparagus patch de-weeded uh, at the end of the season uh, like I wanted to. Uh, we have an asparagus patch that's probably about 8 foot wide and 30 foot long. So I'll need to do some cleaning up of that this spring so uh, we can have some good asparagus. And right next to that is our dough pen. And uh, we do have a few weathers in here, but we have quite an assortment. Um, on our goats, we now have 30 goats. So that's quite an increase from what we originally had, which was five. But we have uh, three different varieties of goats now. We have pygmies, which is our biggest in number. Um, and they, uh, let's see, of the original ones, if you heard me give the names, we had, originally we had five, and that was uh, Princess and Duchess, Rudy, uh, Scribbles, and Queenie. And Scribbles and Queenie, they wound up having their own families, but they were kind of too bossy, kind of too mean. And uh, we wound up selling them to some other folks that were wanting to start goats. And hopefully by them being their only goats or their first, it would work out good for them. Uh, so of those three that we still have from the originals, uh, Princess, we have her son uh, with her. He's a weather, and that's Vinny, Vincent Van Gogh. Then Duchess has her son, which is Eben who's right now being a bit of a grumpy pants. He's butting a bunch of the other goats. <laughs> and then Rudy had twin boys, and uh, they are uh, Joey and Chandler. Now, also along the way, we picked up a small uh, doe, and uh, she is... Uh, oh, crud, I'm blanking out on her name. Midnight. Midnight? Yeah. Gosh, you, you, you get the name so much, it's hard to keep track of them. But she has two little ones here, and they are Monica and Phoebe. Can you see the pattern that we had going there for a little bit? Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we have some fainting goats here. So that, that's pretty well the wrap-up of our pygmies. Uh, then we have fainting goats. Uh, we have uh, Allie. 
and uh, she is uh, a mama goat that we got. And uh, then we have Allie, her daughter, and then another daughter who uh, just had a birthday is Valentina. She was born on Valentine's Day with her twin, Cupid, and he wound up going to another farm. And then uh, uh, Allie just had uh, uh, twins this, uh, this past year, and so one of them is Daisy, and she's with her. And then there is Duke, huh? Daisy Duke, for those of you who like the Dukes of Hazard, and Duke we are keeping for breeding purposes. And then we have our Kikos, and our Kiko goats uh, are larger meat goats, and we have uh, two bucks, and I'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, but we have a total of eight um, Kikos. So let's see if I can remember their names. We have Shadow, who's actually in another pen right now. Then we have Lucy and Edith, and Waddles and Wanda, and Trixie and Ruby. Does that make eight? I think, the, I think, oh, and Judy, and Judy. And then we have Two other people, two others right here in the pen. I just gave them some milk bones. We have two livestock guardian dogs. Uh, they are great Pyrenees, and they are out here, and uh, their coats and, and breeding allows them to be able to withstand the cold winters uh, beautifully. Uh, and they uh, are about six years old each. They're twin or they're sisters. Oh, well, hi there, Waddles. Waddles is coming up to say hi. And Vinny is coming to eat on my coat. <laughs> but the uh, livestock guardian dogs are here as protection because these does have the largest pen. We, uh, we originally had them in just a very small pen, but then we needed them to start being able to do some clearing of brush in the woods. We expanded it a little bit, then we expanded it a lot more, and then we expanded it tremendously. So there's probably, I would say, at least six acres that they have in their pen with five strands of electric fence uh, to get to keep them in and to keep predators out. The reason we got the dogs uh, was because last year, almost a year ago, is the first part of March, we had a uh, uh, a dog attack, and uh, there were two dogs from one neighboring household, and then there were ten from another. And uh, it was a very unfortunate situation. We had eight goats that were injured. Several of them were injured very severely. One, uh, which was our primary uh, buck of the uh, fainting goats, uh, about, I think it was like two weeks after the attack, he wound up succumbing to his injuries. And afterwards, he just cognitively wasn't right. And the uh, the vet uh, said that going through an attack like that, and, and of course, he being a fainter, he fainted when the dogs came, and they just mauled him pretty bad. 
and uh, and so he uh, he very likely could have suffered a stroke or a heart attack because of the attack, and he just wasn't right afterwards and wound up succumbing to his injuries. Then we had uh, well, actually, all the fainters got injured. Uh, and then Vincent Van Gogh, our little pygmy, him and Allie, they both wedged themselves in, hiding in a doghouse that we have is just a small place where if a goat needs to get away by themselves, they can. And they were wedged in one, and the dogs just were basically eating on their hindquarters. Um, and so we had to have uh, veterinarians come out. Uh, two of them on a Sunday night and spent a couple hours out here checking everybody over. We had to have surgeries done. Several wound up being in the animal hospital for a time. So we knew we need to have some better protection because we do have coyotes in our immediate area. I'm looking through the woods right now in a direction from the pen. And if I go probably 400 yards, there's a coyote den. Uh, just outside of our fence. And when I look 90 degrees to the north from that angle, uh, there's another coyote den maybe a half a mile away. So these dogs are wonderful. They live with the herd. They stay with them. And uh, during the day, they seem a little bit lazy, laying around, not doing much. But nighttime is when they work. And we used to try to keep everybody pinned into a smaller area that's protected by cattle panels. Um, but after we did that a few nights, the dogs figured out what we were doing, and they would go outside the fence. And so we haven't closed the gate now for a few months uh, because these dogs, they, at night, that's when they are active. They are patrolling the perimeter. If they hear a sound, they will bark ferociously. Uh, our neighbor has seen a large coyote coming towards our pen and uh, heard the dogs barking and the coyote stopped, turned around, and went back where he came from. Uh, they have, uh, if something gets in the pen that is not what they know is their family to protect, uh, they will kill it. And we have found two dead possums uh, that, uh, unfortunately for them, they wandered into the pen area and the, uh, the dogs took care of it. So we actually have an additional uh, Great Pyrenees that, uh, it, well, these girls, they're uh, uh, um, Max and Ruby. Maxine and Ruby, if you know kids shows, you know Max and Ruby. And so we also have Roscoe, uh, who is a pup that is 10 weeks old, and he's going to be going through training to become a livestock guardian dog. So that's our doe pen. Uh, that's our biggest area. Then we have over here uh, kind of a couple of rescue animals. And this is uh, Jake and Elwood. And Jake and Elwood are two miniature horses. And we were able to uh, get them. They were, again, a little bit of a rescue situation. The folks that had them were just not able to continue taking care of them. They were foundered a little bit. But they, uh, they uh, at their weathers, they're 36 inches high. And they are two intact males. Uh, one is black, and that is Jake, and the other one is brown with a white mane and some white spots on him, and that is uh, uh, 
Elwood, and they are just wonderful, wonderful little miniature horses. So they have this winter what we had as our buck pen last summer. And so they have eaten all the grass down to nothing. So now we're feeding them hay through the winter. Um, we also bought a pony cart that we hope uh, Jake, his feet's coming along a lot better. So we're hoping that Jake, it, we're going to get some tack this year, get him trained uh, and uh, be able to uh, go out for uh, horse rides with a cart this summer. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. When I was a little kid, uh, a neighbor gave me a Shetland pony, which was bigger than these, uh, when I was five years old for my birthday. And we had a little pony cart. And the, that cart and the harness is gone, but we now have a new cart, and we'll get some harness and see what we can do with Jake and Elwood. Uh, Jake is probably in his mid-teens, and Elwood, the uh, farrier, believes he is probably around 12 years of age. So, we now move around the farm to our other pens and as I talk I have not seen the cats yet uh, we have oh there's one we have Thelma and Louise still uh, they are a few years old now four or five years old and oh there's Louise uh, and they uh, they are uh, the ones who go in and around all the different pens except uh, the dogs, I'm not sure if they have accepted them yet. So I'm hoping the cats stay out of there so they don't wind up like the possums. Now, over here is a pen, a smaller one that we call the Love Shack. So whenever we need to do some breeding and have a place where the goats can uh, get together, this is where we go. And right now we have two of our Kikos. We have Loki and he is a two-year-old. He just had his birthday on Valentine's Day. He's a two-year-old Kiko. And then we have Shadow that I mentioned earlier. She was also one that was wounded in the uh, dog attack. And she was actually gone. She was able to jump out of the pen and was gone for a week. And then came back uh, a week later and uh, was... Uh, pretty wounded and thin, and she was hospitalized for a little bit, I believe. So anyway, these two have been in the love shack for all winter. <laughs> they could have been returned, but uh, for some reason we just kind of kept them here. And they're wondering, where's our food? So that's, our, uh, that's two of them. And then I'm going to make my way around the grain bins. Uh, thinking of the grain bins, we don't have any grain stored in them at this time. Haven't for a while, but we are this year in the river bottom. We're going to be having corn uh, down there as a production crop, and that helps fund the, the farm here. And now we're to the buck pen, and this is where we have uh, all the rest of our bucks. We have six here. People say don't have that many bucks, but doggone it, they're so stinking cute. So let me introduce you to those. We have uh, Skeeter, who is a pygmy buck, and he is actually Rudy's first uh, firstborn. And so we have him in here. And then we have Thunder, which is Midnight's 
uh, son. And he's he's a small goat, but boy, does he have huge horns. Uh, if you measure his face nose to the top of his head, his horns are probably one and a half times longer than that. Then we have uh, a Kiko in here, and this is Odin. So we have Loki and Odin, and you may be wondering, well, what happened to Thor? Well, sadly, that's another bit of a tragic story, uh, but it was a lesson learned and shared. We started off our Kikos with three. We had Thor and Loki and Shadow. And uh, they were bottle-fed babies that we got. And uh, very, very close attachment. And Thor was just... I mean, Thor and Loki, both wonderful goats. But Thor was just my wife's definite favorite. And he had... These are the ones where their horns will curl out to the side the older they get. And it was the first weekend, I think, in February last year... And uh, unfortunately, Thor's, we had collars on our goats. We have no collars on any goat anymore because Thor's collar got caught in the curved back horn of one of our fainting goats, Gizmo, and it couldn't get it off. And it was a breakaway collar and it wouldn't break away. And they started twisting. And twisting, and sadly, uh, Thor died of strangulation. And it was just a horrific time here uh, with a, a death that away. So it was just a few days later, it was actually on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, well, it was the, the next day because it was on Saturday morning that we found him. So it was the next day was Super Bowl of 2018. And my wife saw somebody, actually the same farm that we originally got the Kikos from, uh, had some other bottle-fed babies and had a little one, which we then got and named Odin. So Odin is a year old now. And then we have uh, mentioned Gizmo. Gizmo is one of the original four fainters that we have, myotonic goats. He's coming up to me now. Um, he... Uh, uh, Let's see. How would I describe Gizmo? He's got some wild hair on the top of his head. His horns curl back uh, along his back and are now just starting to kind of grow out to the side with the points. And uh, so he's part, he is what they would call a Texas fainter. There's two, kind of like two branches. You have the Tennessee and then the Texas. And the Texas were bought from the the original Tennessee herd of fainters, and then they were bred to make a larger meat goat. Uh, and then we have two other fainters in here. Uh, they are both... Uh, oh, well, hi there. <laughs> hi, Odin. Odin decided to jump up on me. I was here, and I was not paying any attention. Um, we have Bandit, who is from Kentucky. We went uh, down to visit our son, uh two summers ago, and brought uh, him back, and he is a Tennessee fainter, and so we bred him with Allie, and that's where we had Daisy and Duke, and the last goat we have here that I'm going to talk about is Duke, and Duke is uh, fairly small. 
both him and Daisy are small, a lot smaller than what we kind of expected. So we're going to have those two for for breeding. And then, oh, I forgot all about it. We've got one more goat. That makes 29, and our 30th goat is in the house and has been in the house since October 23rd. And her name is Corabel. And Corabel is a registered fainting goat, Tennessee fainter. She is small. She is very delicate looking. And we had the opportunity to get her when their owners were coming to Illinois and uh, were buying a couple of goats and they had a couple they wanted to sell. And so we, uh, she has a very good bloodline. We bought her for breeding purposes and she wound up getting really sick this past October, apparently with some sort of a blood parasite. Her red blood count dropped so incredibly low. Their blood counts are supposed to be at 35, and she was at 2. And the vet simply said, there's no reason this goat should be alive except you're giving her incredible, tender, loving care. So we had her in the house. She was, at that point, she was unable to move her legs. She was eating. She was drinking. She could sit up like a goat. But if she leaned her head too much, she would fall over and couldn't get back up. So we had her in a box basically in the house for four weeks she couldn't move we had to give her a bath every day you know because of you know getting soiled there in the bedding and then she and we gave her uh, a lot of different medicines including what i call goat geritol uh, to build up her iron in her blood and she eventually started moving her legs and uh we did physical therapy with her for a while and then she started walking and she could very well be out here quite a while ago except it's winter time and because of what she went through she lost most of her hair and has grown back a beautiful summer coat not a winter coat because she's living in a 68 degree house so uh, she's gonna have to stay inside in a kiddie pool that has a fence around it in the family room of our brand new house. I set a rule, no goats in the house. And 10 days later, after we moved in, guess what? We got a goat in the house. So this spring, she'll be coming out and that'll be good. Uh, She's ready to be out. She kind of gets mad about the fact that she's in this pen. But uh, that's kind of where things are right now. Now, where are we going? As I walk through the uh, the buck pen, I'm looking over here to the south. We have our neighbor's property just a, a just a few yards away, and there is a gentle sloping hillside. And I've got two beehives over there. I still have my beehives. I think I've got seven, and I have not checked them this winter, so I hope they're doing good. Um, but this hillside, we are going to be planting lavender. My wife and uh, her sister a couple of years ago they started talking about a lavender farm and my sister-in-law Tammy is very much loves lavender and so what what we're looking at doing here is uh, creating a commercial lavender farm we're probably going to start off with somewhere between two and three hundred lavender plants and so we have to create a uh, 
uh, I guess you could say, you know, an infrastructure of creating the beds. We need to have the uh, kind of like the heavy duty landscaping fabric so that we have uh, can do better with our weed control. We're wanting to have like a, a three foot strip <clears throat> of grass between them. So it kind of looks nice and pretty, but that's going to be starting soon. This weekend, my wife's going to be ordering the plants to have, or the plug, plant plugs, so they can be delivered in May. I think they're going to be coming from Washington State. Um, so that's a thing that's going to be happening. We're going to be expanding some of the goat fenced in yards to give them more room. Uh, the. Hay production is still doing good. We had five big bales that we used for feeding this winter, and we still have a lot of small square bales in the machine shed that we're now getting into. We have got big piles of messed up <laughs> bale from the big round bales that hay that is now just waste that I've got to figure out what the heck I'm going to do to get rid of it and where to dump it out in the fields. Uh, I did some building of some temporary winter shelters using pallets and tarp uh, that have worked well uh, because we definitely needed some more space. I'm planning on doing some more building like that. Uh, I look at the farmhouse. Ideally, I would like to this this year have... Hi, Odin! Uh, is to get new siding on the old part. There's two sides where we need it. The weatherboarding is just bad and we don't have insulation on it so it's very expensive to keep it heated so the pipes don't freeze uh, so there's work that needs to be done there we have an old chicken house that's been used for storage there's a lot of clutter in there there's over a dozen bicycles that need to find new homes and we're thinking about seeing if we can open that up as a chicken house again maybe divide it in half and have half chickens and half just storage i'm also i bought a book from uh john siskovich he is uh with uh farm marketing solutions he's in connecticut and he does meat birds and this book i bought from him is how to build his style of chicken tractors for raising meat birds uh, he raises several hundred each year at uh, his uh, farm that he manages i'm trying to think what's the name of it john what's the name of your farm <laughs> Anyway, I'm planning on building two chicken tractors, and this year I want to raise 100 meat birds. That we they will be the uh, Cornish Cross, which is uh, a fast-growing meat bird. You can start harvesting them at you know basically between eight and ten weeks of age, and that'll fill the freezer. Uh, we've got a place north of here in Arcola, Illinois, that is a USDA poultry processing plant. And if I'm remembering their prices, if you have over 30 birds that you're processing, uh, to have them taken care of and bagged just as whole fryers, you know, not cut up pieces, that's like $2.40 a piece for birds that we've raised, that we know what we fed them. Really like that idea. So we get a deep, a bigger deep freeze and just fill it with chicken. Every week has some fried chicken for lunch on Sundays. That sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> so 
those are some of the things we're thinking about. You know, we are restoring the farmstead. I know it's been a long time. I hate that it's been a year and a half uh, since I did a podcast, but it's, as I was saying in this, that last one that I did just a couple few days ago, uh, I now have a new software that'll let me be able to do podcasting easier and better. So as things happen, I want to be able to share that with you. Some of you may be thinking of wanting to do this kind of thing yourself. And, uh, it's, I tell you, it's, I know it's, it's hard and it's not going to go easy and you have to have other jobs to support it. But I tell you, it is so nice being up here at the farm. You know, this is, you know, I, I was, truly blessed with being able to inherit this land um and i have family this is where my my family you know has has been since the civil war i can look across the road and i see my aunt's house we have wonderful neighbors next door i can look across the fields to the north and i see an old dilapidated barn but that barn was the the barn of my great great grandfather's brother and to just look around and and see like the pond that was built in the 1940s using tractors and horses and slip scrapers and a tumble bug you know to to carve out the pond it is just it's really neat and so it's it's exciting for both the wife and I to be out here to be close to our animals to uh we've got a large deck on the back of the house it's 16 foot by 40 foot you know we want to be able to you know when the weather gets really nice to be able to just spend the uh the evening sitting out there on the deck you know sipping on sangria looking at the stars you know making this happen so we have the modern part up there and we have the historical farmstead over here so with that said, uh, I will let you go for this podcast. It has definitely gone longer than what I thought it would have gone. And holding it, this phone, with my bare hand, <laughs> when the temperature is about 16 degrees, I think, it's now hurting. So I will close the podcast. You guys have a great day. Enjoy some some warm refreshment beverages while you uh Endure the winter, and we will talk to you later. Have a great one. Bye.